I hope everybody had a restful Christmas break. Yeah? Just me. It's good. I had a great break. Rebecca and I had a few weeks off and um, really enjoyed spending time with our three boys. Um, Christmas is a bit mad at the start, isn't it? But the longer you kind of stay off, you kind of get a bit of rest after a while. Uh, And so we we enjoyed having a bit of a break from Sunday mornings as well. Um, But I must say, I miss being together with our church family. Something really incredible happens when we worship together, when we spend time with one another. And although it might be a little bit uncomfortable at times, Community is is actually God's design and God's desire for us. And it's through these often broken and imperfect relationships that we have with one another that he forms us into his likeness. It's here that we learn to forgive just as he has forgiven us. And it's here that we learn to love one another and, and where we're so often strengthened and built up. God has made us to flourish and to thrive when we're planted in a healthy community. And note that I didn't say perfect, I said healthy. Uh, And it's here that we learn to serve one another as well. And some of you have just astounded us in how you've loved and cared for one another recently, how you've drawn alongside each other and at times demonstrated stunning generosity and kindness towards each other. Uh, Rebecca and I have just been so humbled um, as, as people have just quietly in the background served and loved one another. And uh, almost two and a half years ago, not quite, about two years, three months or so, three and a half months, um, Rebecca and I set out with a few others with a big dream in our hearts and a burning desire to change the world around us. And they're good dreams. We still believe that God wants to use us to build his kingdom here in Bangor. But just recently, I've just been reminded again that it's here in community that he changes us, isn't it? He makes us more like him. That as uh, Andy Smith from Belfast City Vineyard so often says, we are the project. And uh, Rebecca and I were out for a walk on Thursday. We avoided going out on New Year's Day because we knew it would be a wee bit manic, so we sneaked out on Thursday, and it was great. There was nobody about, so there's a wee hint for 2021. Put that one in your back pocket. I won't charge you anything for that. But Rebecca said to me on Thursday, Ben, what things do you want to do in 2020? And I said back to her, um, to be honest, and I'd spend a bit of time thinking about this in advance, to be honest, I think I need to focus less on what I want to do and more on who I want to be. And don't get me wrong, I'm not asking that question as part of some sort of identity crisis. God has made each one of us to be unique. We're all part of his family. We're a royal priesthood, sons and daughters of the living God, each with our own unique calling and purpose. So I'm not asking, who am I? Although I I do believe that each one of us needs to be reminded daily of who we are in Christ. Um, But the question I'm asking, and I challenge you to ask this year, is who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And what or who am I being formed or shaped by? I don't know if you've ever spent any time thinking about that before. Are you being formed by what you see and hear in the culture around you? Are you being formed by the demands and the urgency of your to-do list? 
which keeps getting longer and never seems to get any shorter? Have the political developments across the world over the last few years caused you to be anxious and fearful? Or are you allowing Jesus to form you and to bring his peace to rule in your heart? And I'm asking myself these questions too. Am I being shaped by the culture of the company that I work for? Or am I allowing Jesus to shape me and make me more like him? And truthfully, uh, the last few months in work have been uh, trickier than normal. And, uh, and if, I'm, if, if I'm honest, if I look at myself over the last few months, there's times that I've allowed myself to be shaped by the culture around me, which can be impatient and unkind at times. And so I'm learning that when we allow ourselves to be formed by anything or anybody other than Jesus, then things don't tend to go all that well for us. So can I challenge you this year to ask a different question? By all means, spend some time thinking about what you want to do. But before that, I recommend that you ask the question, who am I becoming? And Galatians 5 uh, verse 22 to 25 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. These are traits of Christ-like people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us Keep in step with the Spirit. So right at the start of this new decade, let me just catch up with where I am in the slides. So right at the start of this new decade, can I challenge you just to ask the question, who do you want to be in 10 years' time? In 20 years' time? Simon, you've got to stop doing that. He just walked through the door and said, you. <laughs> it's not helpful. Sorry for shaming you. You deserved it, though. Uh, so who do you want to be in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, in 30 years' time, in 40 years' time? And I'm not asking, what do you want to do? I'm asking, who do you want to be? And I know for me, I want to be kinder. I want to be more patient and slower to get angry and frustrated by people and circumstances. I know that in this life, there will be many, many more troubles for all of us. Each one of us will experience pain and loss and disappointment. But I want to be somebody that overflows with peace and joy in the midst of life's troubles. So that's the question that I'm asking as we move into this new decade. And that's the question I'd encourage you to ask. Of course, spiritual formation, it takes intentionality. It doesn't just happen. It requires action. Action like showing up and being present with your church family, despite how many other priorities you might have or how much certain individuals might annoy you at times or press your buttons. It requires you to look at your daily rhythms and set aside time to be with Jesus, to spend time in the secret place where he forms us, and he shapes us, where we talk to him about the things that are going on in our lives, instead of just trying to navigate our own course, as so often we try to.
Maybe in the secret place with Jesus, we ask him, what do you have to say about this relationship that I'm in? Jesus, things are hard right now, but what are you teaching me in the midst of all the storms that are going on in my life? Jesus, what would you have me to do with my time and my money and my resources? What do you have to say about that? Jesus, what areas in my life do you want to work on? Where have I not submitted and surrendered to you? These are all the sorts of questions we ask as part of a life marked by intimacy with Jesus. And by the way, if you're scratching your head and you're wondering, uh, where, where do I start? There are some booklets at the side of the, at the back of the room entitled, um, How to Spend Time with Jesus. Um, I've, there's a few copies at the back of the room. There's, I have plenty more up here. So if you want one of those, please grab one before, before you leave here today. Um, and they're just really helpful uh, guides that will, will, will encourage you to get on the path of spending regular time in God's presence. So right at the start of this new decade, can I encourage you not to shirk away from setting a course for your own spiritual formation and discipleship. Don't fear the cost of discipleship, for the cost of non-discipleship is much higher Dallas Willard said, Non-discipleship costs abiding peace, a life penetrated throughout by love, faith that sees everything in light of God's overriding governance for good, hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging circumstances, power to do what is right and withstand the forces of evil. In short, it costs exactly that abundance of life Jesus said he came to bring. I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody that has abiding peace. I want to be somebody that has a life penetrated throughout by love. I want to be somebody that has incredible faith and that sees everything in light of God's overriding governance for good. James Brian Smith says, the question is not what will I have to give up to follow Jesus, but rather what, will I, what would I never get to experience if I choose not to follow Jesus? The answer is clear. We will forfeit the chance to live a good and beautiful life. So if you're serious about becoming more like Jesus, then here are some other things that you could do. Uh, you could find someone who you can meet who will pray with you, encourage you, and, and hold you accountable. You could go get counseling, choose to deal with the things that have been holding you back in the past. Uh, I know that I've found counseling massively helpful in the past as I've worked through particular issues in my life, and I think it can be really helpful for those who choose to engage with it properly. And uh, I'll probably take the opportunity again at some point. I'm biased as I'm married to somebody who's trained as a counsellor. Um, but some of you need to stop procrastinating and make this year the year that you deal with your stuff. It's time to move on from the past. And start thinking about who we're becoming. And then you could come to a life group as well. They're great places. They start back later this month. And they're a great place to build and form relationships with others who are on this journey with you. So that's a little bit of what I feel like God is saying to me personally um, as we enter 2020 and for our church as well. That we need to think about who we are becoming. 
And there's a few other things I feel like he's impressed upon me that I want to share with you briefly. Um, but I'm going to pray before I go any further because I normally would have done that by now. Um, so Father, we just thank you for your word. Um, Lord, as we dip in and out of your word this morning, would you uh, give us the strength that we need? Would you engage with our hearts and call us onward deeper into you, into a greater experience and revelation of your love? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, as I said, we're just under two and a half years at this now. Um, so if you've just joined us this morning, you're really, really welcome. You've come at a really good time. Uh, we just launched Across the Road on Thursday nights on the 28th of September 2017. Then after four months, we moved to Sunday mornings on the 28th of January, exactly four months of the day. Um, that wasn't planned. It just happened to be like that, 28th of January 2018. And so as we look at where we're at as a church plant, there are two things that I felt God said to me. The first one is about pace. I felt he was saying, go long and go slow. And the second one is about legacy. So firstly, we're going to talk about going long and going slow. Anyone who's a long distance runner will understand this. You can't run a marathon at sprint pace. It simply isn't sustainable. If you try it, you'll, you'll burn out really quickly and the chances are you'll not get to the end of the race. And here in, in this church, we, we want to plant something that will still bear fruit for future generations. We want to leave something that's still there long after we're gone. That's called a legacy. And as I said, we're going to talk about that in a little while. But things that will last aren't built overnight, right? We know that. And God's been really reminding me about this over the last few weeks. Things that will last aren't built overnight. I'm not necessarily concerned about the size of church we are or what size we will grow to be. Our kingdom impact is much more important than our numerical size. Uh, do we consistently lead the lost to Jesus? Do we disciple people to do the stuff Jesus did? Do we love and serve the poor amongst us? Do we equip and release people to see God's kingdom come in their sphere of influence? whether that's education or business or healthcare or whatever it might be? Are we simply gathering people or are we training and sending out an army? And that's what I mean by kingdom impact. And those questions are much more significant and much more important than how many people come here. That said, it does take a certain critical mass to make this thing sustainable. So at this stage we're at right now, it takes an awful lot of energy just to be together and to meet on a Sunday morning. So for example, there's Heather and Verity who spend most of their time in the kids' rooms and you rarely see them in here because they're putting so much of their energy into getting this thing established and I'm just picking them as, a, as an example. There's other people as well. Um, or there are folks who do set up and take down nearly every week just so we can spend time together. It takes a lot of energy just to be together. And being together is great, but if that's all we do, then we've missed the point because we've been called and commissioned to release the culture of heaven here in the earth. 
We believe God has called us to be a hope for those in this community who have no hope. To serve the poor, to reach out to those who attend this college Monday to Friday, to serve schools and businesses in this community. So it's right to spend the energy establishing and planting now, but our Sunday services are not the end destination. And God's not in a rush either, by the way. He's building something that will bear fruit for many, many generations. And in this moment right now in Bangor Vineyard, we just happen to be at the planting stage of that. You know if you plant a new tree, you have to stake it or brace it so that it isn't blown about by the wind. And you need to keep that brace there until the tree is able to support itself on its own. That's kind of where we're at as a church. It takes an extraordinary amount of effort sometimes from a number of people just to keep this thing braced. But what you're doing now is that you're allowing the roots of this tree to grow deep and to grow strong. And others who come along after us will get the benefit of the hard work that we do now. So we're doing a really important role right now. And just to speak in purely numerical terms, in the autumn of 2018, we averaged about 39 people per week. That's adults and kids combined. And that's kind of from September through to the end of November, so a three-month period at the end of 2018. And for the same period in 2019, we averaged at 50 a week. So that's an increase of 28% in 12 months, which is pretty healthy. Um, Now, those who have planted churches before would say that it typically takes about 80 people before a church is established. So we're not quite yet at the point where we can lift the brace off this tree. And I'm just kind of sharing this uh, today because I think it's helpful that we understand the job that we have been assigned in this moment. It will change as the seasons change and as we move forward. But this is where we're at right now. And it's a really important role. And I really felt God impressing this upon me. And uh, funny enough, Graham and I were out putting, uh, we were going to put the flags up this morning, and then we kind of looked at each other, and we were, we were a wee bit short on the setup time this morning. And uh, we just decided, you know what? If we put these up, we're going to have to take them down. And uh, this is hard work already, so let's not give ourselves more hard work later. So we decided not to put the flags back up. But um, Graham had already filled the bases up, so I needed to, uh, we needed to empty the bases. So I took the base over to this tree and sat it up against the tree and started pouring the water in, watering the tree. I thought, ah, oh, sure. May as well give this little tree the benefit. It hasn't rained in a few days, so I'll give this tree the benefit of all this water that Graham's filled up. And I looked up and I saw that the tree is a relatively new tree with a brace fitted to it. So perhaps God might be speaking to us about the importance of what we're doing here in this moment, at this time, in this season. Of course, numbers are only a small part of the overall picture. As a leader, I actually care much more about culture and growing a culture in our church that is healthy. As a church, we've grown so much over the last year in our ability to minister in the gifts of the Spirit. Many of you who had never given a prophetic word before have stepped out and started exercising that muscle. We've seen people healed We've seen people step out and start leading things and being courageous. 
By the way, weren't uh, Louise and Keith absolutely excellent whenever they spoke? I don't think I'm going to need to do this just as much in 2020. It's going to be good. They did an incredible job. There's been a tremendous amount of personal growth, and it's been truly wonderful to watch. And in our Sunday morning gatherings, there's been such a sense of God's beautiful presence here with us. And we've seen some of you move into an increased freedom as well. There's really been a significant growth in us personally over the last 12 months, and it's been so beautiful to watch. And there's been so much growth in our kids' rooms as well. I remember back when we started Sunday mornings in January 2018, and those who were leading in the one kids' room that we had back then, uh, they kind of came away every morning, and they were like, wow, this is crazy. It just feels like we're herding cats at times. Um, but they persevered, and they've grown a culture where it's now normal for our kids to hear from God when they're in the kids' room, or it's normal for our kids to pray for and encourage one another. Two years ago, we couldn't stop getting them to stop fighting with one another. <laughs> but now they're actually praying for blessing one another. It's good to see. And it didn't come easy. Uh, the kids' leaders and the kids' team have had to contend and to persevere, but it's been worth it. And so I say all this to remind us that this is a long game. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it requires much patience and diligence. Christ-like virtues, actually. As we partner with God to build something that will outlast and outlive us. And there will come a time when we bear much more fruit and have a much greater kingdom impact. There will come a time when we get to pioneer new ministries within this town. There will come a time when we get to send church plants out across Ireland and across Europe that we dream about. There will come a time when we send out many people to bring the gospel of Jesus just as the church in Bangor did all those centuries ago. So let's go long and let's go slow so that we don't burn out and we plant something that will outlast and outlive us. I recently read this by John Tyson. If we fail to contrast the arc of eternity with the urgency of the moment, we lose perspective and feel the need to cram eternal joy into momentary fulfillment. When we live for the present and not the eternal, life itself can become a heavy burden to bear. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, who's not in a rush. He's working in us just as much as he's working through us. And once again, we draw from Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, finally, I just want to talk a little bit about legacy. And I want to ask the question, what does it look to be a people who build legacy? Psalm 103 talks about legacy. 
verses 17 and 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children and those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. And Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation commands your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. And we are a church that is constantly dreaming about leaving legacy here in Bangor and the wider North Down community. We're dreaming about leaving legacy for our children and all who come after us. And what do I mean about legacy? Well, legacies are things handed down from one generation to the next or from one person or group to another. It could be an amount of money. It could be property. It could be a way of thinking or culture. It could be values, character, worldview. It could be anything. Something that someone has contended for and stewarded in such a way that momentum has been built up. And then that's passed down to others. And they walk much more easily in what somebody had to contend for before them. That's what legacies and inheritances do. They overflow beyond the person and allow those who come after them to walk easily in something that the founder had to contend for. And for so many of us, we've had parents or grandparents or aunties or uncles or spiritual fathers and mothers who have passed faith on to us. And I know my parents were part of a generation who pressed in for more of God. Who were not content for the Holy Spirit to be shut out of the church. And so much of what we walk in now is because others have gone before us and contended often with much opposition along the way. And so it's relatively easy now to find a local church here in Northern Ireland that moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not so common 40 years ago. We've inherited a legacy from the generation who went before us, praying, fasting, contending, persevering, faithfully showing up, establishing kingdom communities in towns right across Northern Ireland. And when I think of legacy, I also think of kids leaders and youth leaders who have made sacrifices and said no to things so that they could say yes to stewarding a legacy in those that they lead. I'm sure many of us can think of people in our lives who have passed on the torch of faith to us. Imagine if they hadn't made the sacrifices that they chose to make. Imagine if they hadn't shown up faithfully and they decided that they'd rather stay in and watch Netflix or whatever it was we had back then. Imagine if they hadn't said yes to Jesus. And I'm so thankful this morning that, that so many of us have inherited something from those who went before us and chose to contend and to be faithful and to build legacy. Our culture is dominated by consumerism. You know that kind of what can I get attitude? And we don't like to wait for it either. We want it instantly. And we need to be careful not to let consumerism be part of the culture in our churches as well. So instead of asking, what can I take? We should be asking, what can I give? And what legacy can I leave? 
And as followers of Jesus, the greatest legacy that we can leave for others is to share the good news of Jesus. It's really simple. We're called to make disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, just to remind us. Jesus' words to his disciples before he left them. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so for us here in Bangor Vineyard, we're called to be an outward focused church. We launched this church so that people who are far from Jesus can come to know him like we know him. Because the gospel of Jesus is good news. It's the only way to have a good and beautiful life. And so throughout this year, we want to put more energy into creating welcoming environments where people who wouldn't normally come to church can show up and encounter the love of Jesus. We've done a number of things in the past outside of Sunday mornings, like the women's event in the sportsplex in the autumn or the kids' event here in the summer. And we want to keep pushing into that sort of stuff. It's who we are as a church. And we, don't want, to continue, and we want to continue to fast and pray as well for our friends who don't yet know Jesus, that we want to contend for them, that the Holy Spirit grips their hearts and that they too encounter the beautiful love of Jesus. We also want to share the good news of Jesus with the next generation here in Bangor Vineyard. And I prayed it earlier, we believe that we've been commissioned to raise up a dangerous generation, a generation of Jesus followers who will relentlessly pursue Jesus and that they will obediently move and follow him and move in a greater power than we have known. We want to raise a generation who partner with God in their lifetime to build his kingdom wherever he calls them. We don't want to be people that hold them back and try and keep them. We want to release them into the goodness of all that God has for them. That they will go further than we have ever gone. I became a dad for the first time in 2010. And so in November time, I'll have been a dad for a whole decade, which is pretty scary. Uh, time flies, and we only have them for a moment, as those of you who are parents will know. So rather than thinking that we need to contain our children so that we can get on with doing whatever it is we do in this room, perhaps our greatest calling as a church is to invest what God has given us in the life of the next generation. We only have them for a moment. So let's be a church that builds legacy. I mentioned prayer and fasting. Um, we're going to take a week to pray and to fast later on this month from Monday the 20th to Sunday the 26th of January. Uh, details are up on that slide. Uh, we're going to meet on three of the weeknights at 7.30 p.m. Uh, in different people's homes. We'll uh, let you know close to the time whose homes we're meeting in and give you the addresses and whatnot. Um, but as we press in in prayer during that week, we're contending for legacy. On the Monday night, we're going to be focusing on those who don't yet know him. 
that God will open up their hearts to the good news of Jesus. On the Wednesday night, we're going to be praying for the poor and the marginalized and asking God to give us compassionate hearts for those around us and to give us vision as well to partner with what he's already doing. And on the Friday night, we're going to be praying for kids and for young people. Not just the ones who come to this church, but those in this wider community as well. So that's what's happening in a few weeks' time, so be sure to put those dates in your diary. Um, I'm going to be talking more about prayer and fasting on Sunday the 19th, um, so you'll get more info then, um, particularly if you've never uh, done something like that before. Uh, we have some material that we can pass on to you that will uh, give you lots of insight, and I'll be sharing, as I say, a little bit more about that on the 19th. So that's what we're going to be doing. But just as I close, I want to ask us as a church family... Will you be a people that stays the course, that perseveres to steward a legacy, even though we mightn't see it fully? Will you commit to passing on the flame of faith that was handed to you? Will you raise up a dangerous generation? Will you commit to praying for and reaching those who don't yet know him? And will you commit to your own personal discipleship and the discipleship of those around you? Why don't you stand? We're going to worship again in a moment. It's drawn earlier to these words in Zechariah chapter 4. Verse 6. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That was the governor that had been commissioned to lay the foundations of the temple, rebuild the temple, start the work of rebuilding the temple. And this is what the Lord said to him Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So when you hear that word, Zerubbabel, or that name, think of your own name. Think of this church. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small beginnings? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. We need you. come this year more than you've ever come before. Help us to create space in our lives to listen to you, to be attentive to you, to hear what you have to say, to do what you're doing and not just what we think is a good idea. Not in our own strength, but in the power of your spirit.